and, um, and just to see how today is going to change all the days of your life. Hold tightly to these moments. Securely, with hands closed, remember these moments because it's moments that make you cry and snot all over the place that save you later on summer nights and on college days. You know what I mean? It's these moments that, that sometimes your faith will be tested and you'll have the question, is God really good? But you remember these moments that assure you, remind you, and fix your focus on God is good all the time and all the time God is good. Um, can we just give a hand clap to my my my, uh, my son Andrew Cox, come on! Can we just give a, a hand clap to him? So so proud of that dude. Um, he just has, his life has been transformed and changed. God grabbed his heart in high school, and since he's been on fire for Jesus. And that's what you heard today um, was the fire placed inside of him. My name is Kagan Wesley. I am a young man that is madly in love with Jesus. Um, the Bible says that those that have been forgiven much love much. And I don't know about you, but I've been forgiven of a lot. And my only response is to love God a lot. And not just with my words, but with my actions, what I do, where I go, who I go with, and what I do to get Jesus what he paid for. But, however, disclaimer, I've not always been the Christian kind of guy. I've not always been a God guy. I've not always been a holy roller. I don't, I've not always shucking buck for the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm saying? I've been through some stuff. And I'm a testimony today, and I pray every day for the rest of my life that says that God said he surely is alive. That what the devil meant for evil, God will always turn it around for our good. Um, a testimony to say that who the sun sets free is free indeed. And, and I want my life to say that. Those people that have the Instagram bios, that their Instagram bio is a lot better than their real life. You know what I'm saying? I want my real life to be better than my Instagram bio. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to just say I love people. No, I want to show people that I love them. And I'll go to 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'll pull them out of a club real quick and pray alcohol out of them. You know what I mean? I mean, I want to love people. And, um, and I don't know. I love David in the Bible because he was just known as a man after God's own heart. He, wasn't, he was a millionaire, he was a king, he was a boss, like he was the man, he was the man, he was the man, run and tell everybody, he was the man, but he was known as a man after God's own heart. And I don't know about you, but that's hashtag goals for me. I want to be known as a man that's after God's own heart. I, uh, I pastor a church in Louisville, Kentucky, I don't like, I, I lead a church, whatever, I don't like the labels and stuff, but I, I've got a church there called The Refuge, and it's a cool creative community, we've got hip-hop dance teams, we've got people that do graffiti art for God, we've got people that rock it but not drop it for Jesus on the dance team, uh, just gifted, incredible, Andrew's on the team, and he can obviously speak so powerfully, and it's been an incredible just to see what God is doing. From Louisville, Kentucky, I'm able, with the opportunity to travel the world in 23 plus countries, and to preach the gospel gospel of Jesus Christ. It sounds like I'm shouting myself out, but I'm only boasting in what God's done. Because I don't know about you, but I used to be a messed up Indiana kid in some cornfield, and God picked me up and placed me on a path that was his purpose, not mine. And um, and so I want you to know all that, kind of my credentials and what I got going on, and, um, and that's who I am today. But are you excited for the word of God? 
Yo, I think that that was the longest intro of my life. <laughs> I just feel the, like, I feel like I'm just like, God's here and I'm just riding on it. You know what I mean? I've already talked about David. I think I've like spit out like 28 scriptures already. <laughs> like this is so, um, but today we're going to talk on the topic that I think that you've been talking on all week and will continue to talk on this week. And that is called made. Everybody said made. made. Look to your neighbor and say, what are you made to do? You don't have to answer him. And then look to your other neighbor. I'm saying, I'm sorry I didn't ask you. I'm interested in you as well. What are you made to do? <laughs> what are you made to do? What I love about the body of Christ is we're diverse. We're different. We're not the same shape. We're not the same size. We're not the same shade. We're creatively, intricately designed by a God that has eyes of fire, that has hair wool, that has a sharp two-edged sword that comes from his mouth, that has feet like brass, that has a voice that sounds like many waters. We have a God that holds seven stars in his right hand. If he can hold seven stars in his right hand, he can hold your little life and your being that's acting crazy and your high school career, college career. He's got you. You know what I mean? Seven stars is nothing compared to your cosmetic mess. You know what I mean? Like, like You may feel like you're chaotic and crazy and everything's spinning in circles, but God's got you. And he, we're talking about the God that, that literally uses the earth as an ottoman. He throws his feet up on the earth that we walk on and live on. He's that big of a God. He's the lily of the valley, which means he's the most beautiful thing in a dark situation. He's that bright in morning star when everything doesn't seem like it will work out. You see the, the guide and the light that he has planned for you. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Their enemy roars like a lion, like him doesn't work. But he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. But gentle enough to be a little lamb that was slain for you. He's the king above every king, the Lord above every Can I just talk about Jesus real quick? He was the one that died three days you know he rose again but he's he didn't just stop there he's intimate in our individual lives he's the holy ghost that hovers over you while you sleep he's kind of strange like he watches you while you sleep you know what i mean like has anybody ever like walked up the base anybody got a basement in their house the lights are off you flip the lights and like you get on that like last seven steps and you like run real quick, you know what I mean? Because you feel like something's down there and it's going to get you. Anybody else or am I just a weirdo? I, I do. Like, like, you know when you just think like someone's watching you? Well, God is always watching you. There's a scripture that says he watches you while you're asleep. Like, like hide your kids, you know what I mean? Like weird, you know what I mean? But he ain't going to do that. It's crazy. He's that. And he is this massive being. But he's involved in our lives. And he knows the hairs on your head. And I think your face is your head, too. So he knows how many eyelashes you have. Have you ever thought of this? Like, have you ever looked at how you guys are keeping your eyebrows on fleek? But have you ever thought about how many fleeky eyebrows you got in this one eyebrow? You don't know, but he knows. Isn't that wild? That he's that involved with you. That he knows you. He knows your triggers. He knows what sets you off. He knows what encourages you. He knows what refreshes you. He knows those moments exactly what you need when you need it. He can get it to you if you focus and if you fix your face to his face like flint, God wants to do great things in your life. And you may be seeing, hearing all these Christianese terms and wondering, what is he talking about? What's face on flint? I don't understand. Yeah, I didn't either years ago. But it's just Bible stuff. And, and, and it's like God wants to do great things. But before you can do great things, you need to know how greatly he loves you and how greatly he knows you. 
and how greatly he cares for you. We're going to look at the scripture that talks about how he hung the stars, how he set the moon, how look at the wonders that you have made, but that he's mindful of you. Can you pull that up for me? We're going to look at that scripture and we're going to see how he orchestrated and painted the picture of the world, but he painted your personal life. Ephesians, I'm sorry, it's the, I believe the third one I sent in to you. And, um, and, and, and what he can do, you know, in your life. Later, I'm going to share my story with you. And when I share my story with you, it will, um, I hope, be an encouragement to you. And I, it's not, wow, look at Kagan. It's not, wow, look what Kagan's doing. It's, wow, look at Jesus Christ and what he can do with your life. In the book of Revelation, it says, um, it says, blessed is the man that reads the book. It's, it also says in the book of Revelation that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, which is a cool way of God communicating to us that what he did for me, what he's done through me, and will do with me, he can also do with you. Maybe not to the same capacity, maybe not to the same level, maybe at a larger level, a bigger level, but he's still, he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. There's that scripture where David, King David is talking, I'm just going to paraphrase it, he's, King David is talking about, about, about the world, and he's looking, I can imagine he's sitting in a pasture somewhere, tending to sheep, living what seems like a little life, and just doing the work and doing the job, and doesn't really know what he's made to do, but knows who made him. Sometimes that needs to be enough for us. I was talking to a lady, and she says, I recreate myself every 10 years because she doesn't know what she's made to do because she doesn't know who made her. And I don't know, you may be a bodybuilder. You may be a business owner. You may just right now be in your college career, and you're going to be a nurse practitioner or create some kind of cosmetic line. I don't know, what you, whatever you want to do, whatever the desires of your heart you want to do, that's great. And that's just an addition to your life. But what you're made to do is to be a person of his presence. I jumped ahead of myself earlier, but we look at the life of King David, and King David is sitting in the pasture, and he says, I look at the stars, and I look at the moon, and I look at how you painted this, this world, and how, how, you, how you intricately made this, but what is man that you are mindful of us? How you think about us. Has anybody ever done that? Like, like a lot of people would think like how he badly thinks about us. God is not mad at you. God is madly in love with you. And I don't know about you, but one day I'm going to have kids one day. And when I get my kids, whatever, however that works, you know what I'm saying? I'll get kids somehow. <laughs> Weird. Come on, Kagan, keep it going. Anyway, but when I get kids, there's nothing that my child can do. That will make me stop loving him. That will make me reject him. He, now, he'll make me mad for a minute. You know what I'm saying? But love, real love, the Bible says that God will come and chastise those that he loves. So, so there's that place of like he'll never reject you. There's too many people in this world that think that the love of God has a limit. And that their life is not worthy of the love. Where David is looking at the moon and the stars, and he says, oh, how are you mindful of man that you made us? Yeah. Today he made you. You're at this beautiful camp, and you're able to see the stars better at night because you're not in the city. You're able to see the trees, and sometimes we don't really take advantage of, like, 
the beauty around us. But when you look at that stuff, know that like there's probably millions of trees in the world and God created that, but he also created you. It just pulls your mind from a different perspective, from a different place to higher. Today, I really want to talk on the topic of what you're made for. And you're made for more. You're made for more. You're made for more. You're made for more. And even when you got a good life, you're made for a better life. And even when you got a better life, you're ready for a better, better life. And then when you got a better, better life, you're ready for a better, better. I'm about to pray in tongues. Kidding. No, you know what I mean? Like you're made for more. There's always more. There's that scripture where Jesus talks about, he says, when someone asks for a cup of water, give them a cup of water. When they ask for your coat, for your shirt, also give them your coat. Where he talks about if they, if they want you to go a mile, actually go two miles. You're made for more. Yeah, yeah. Your mind is made. Your heart is made for more. Your soul is made for more. If you are willing we look at the life of people in the bible people like moses moses didn't really know what he was for he had a tragedy to triumph life he was a man that stuttered he was called to be a public speaker but he had a stutter how does that make sense god always uses the weak things in our lives to make us so strong has anybody ever realized in your life that the things that used to trip you up, now you walk over? The thing that used to get you in a corner, now you have control over? That is the Christian life. We're to be what? The head and not the tail. The lender and not the bar. More than conquerors through Christ Jesus. We're to do life and do it large. The abundant life that God has for us. So today, if I could do anything, I would you and challenge you to go a little higher. Dig a little deeper. Stretch yourself a little wider. Because when you do, God does great things. Look at this camp. I know this was not easy. Shout out to the... The, the team that did and put this together, like, I know how much those neon signs are. And I know how hard they're fine. This, all this decoration, all of this stuff, it's because someone did not settle. Because someone did not settle. And when you start settling, not only do you lose the life that you're called to live, but how about all the other lives that are connected to your life? When you settle, souls don't get saved. When you settle, lives don't get changed. When you settle, hearts aren't healed. When you settle here, now, it does not happen because you're not allowing it to happen. Sometimes the open heaven is right here. We look at Esther, and Esther was just a little Jewish girl, and we look at her life and how, you know, I, I just, I love to go to churches and challenge them to live a larger life because we serve a large God. And Esther, she was just a little Jewish girl in side town, and she ends up being groomed. And, I mean, she went through weeks of, like, preparation. Like, Kim Kardashian has nothing on Esther. You know what I mean? Like, like she had contour for days and, and all that stuff y'all girls do. You know what I mean? Like, she had all that. And um, she, so anyway, Esther went through all this process, and she ended up being, like, the pretty little princess and all, you know, good and great. And God was moving into her life, and, you know, she thought that there was... That's all she was going to do. She was just going to be a pretty little princess, and she was just going to live in the palace, and she was going to do the life. But then she found out that her people were going to be killed by the man that she just married. And she's like, I got some power over this man. So she began to pray, and she began to fast, and she she began to believe, and she began to not settle because she was made for what? More. And so she stepped up, and she spoke up, and she said, I'm not going to settle. And because of her 
not settling, because of her more mentality, she realized that she saved her entire city. She saved her entire people. What if, what if she would have settled? She would have sat up in that palace. She would have took selfies all day. She would have been groomed and doomed, really, probably depressed after two years. Because there's, there's something about when you don't give what you got, what you got ends up going. You know what I mean? You lose it. If you don't use it, hey, baby, you lose it. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, my arms, they're tiny little baby biceps. If I don't use them, they're baby now, I'll lose them. You know what I mean? You've got, you got to use what God's given you. Same with Moses. What if he would have just settled? Pharaoh wouldn't have let God's people go. What about Daniel? What if he would just sat up in that den, didn't do nothing? He would have been lunch. You know what I mean? God has made you for more. Lunch sounds good right now, but not Daniel. You know what I mean? But God has made you for more. He's called you for truly such a time as this. We look at all of these people and all of these passages and that, that, that one lady, that, the, the persistent, I love this because she doesn't have a name. She was known as the persistent widow, the willing widow. She, there was an injustice with her son and she went to the king and she went to the king and she went to the king and she went to the king. We're talking New Testament now. And she would go over, she would go, I need justice, I need justice, I need justice. And she never stopped. She never settled. She continued to realize that she was made for more and she said, I need justice. And you know what she, justice. And I love that that passage where it says that she, this, the king says, give her what she wants because she scares me. She might kill me. You know what I mean? Powerful. Like, are you the Christian that people say, oh, she's a Christian. And if you don't, if you don't, like, Lord of God, she'll cut you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, are you all like that? Where you're, where like, you're the, I'll cut you Christian. Like, you got to know about this love, this fierce love that God has for you. Are you that person? Are you made for more? You know, there was a time in my life where I realized that I was, you know, made for more. Uh, I went through many years of my life not knowing why I was made, honestly, even how I was made, because I struggled with identity and I struggled with issues. And um, today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about my story. And, and, and when I do, I want you to show how I was confused, how I was made. When I met the man that made me, the Savior that made me, the God that made me, everything was remade. Because you can make your life, but God's got to remodel it. And when I was a little kid, I went through confusion. My parents got a divorce, and I was really confused. And I didn't really know what to do with my life, and I, I, I didn't know where to go. And I, I, there just was a lot going on. And then... When I was in fourth grade, 10 years old, I went to a birthday party. And at that birthday party, I was taken advantage of sexually by several men. Shortly after, by an older woman. I remember physically hurting and emotionally hurting after it happened to me. And I leaned up against a tan vinyl siding, looking at the stars, not mindful of what God had made, like David said. And I wondered where to go and who to go to. And if I go to somebody... What are they going to say if I tell them that I just was taken advantage? Ten years old, trying to figure out what to do. I couldn't handle that information and that experience on my own. So I settled with the sin that was set in front of me. I allowed the confusion to consume me. 
I buried it in the back of my brain and I suppressed it in my soul and I hid it in my heart and I wanted no one to know that I went through that. But the devil does not just want your lunch. He wants your dinner. He wants your breakfast and every snack that you have in between. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy you. And that's what he was trying to do with me. And so I gave him an inch and he took a mile. And then I gave him a mile and he took five miles. And before I knew it, I was on a downward spiral into darkness. Sixth grade, doing things I knew I should not have been doing. With guys and with girls. Middle school, trying to find happiness at the bottom of the bottle. My first time drinking alcohol, I drank so much that I was almost hospitalized alcohol poisoning. And it became not just a one-time thing. It became almost an, a weekend thing that then turned to midweek things. And it began to take over my life. Alcohol wasn't enough, so I went shopping. That's credit card. And when it went chick-ching and I got new stuff, it just made me feel good for five minutes. That's all I need, just five minutes. That wasn't enough, so I started smoking drugs that then led to snorting drugs. And before I knew it, I was a full-blown drug addict. So I'm living a bisexual lifestyle. I'm hurting from the aftermath of molestation and rape. I'm a full-blown drug addict. I'm doing this stuff, and not one person in the church was like Moses or was like Esther and stepped in and stood up and said something to me like, Jesus loves you. Lady Gaga could sing all around the world, your baby, you were born this way. But the Bible teacher down the street couldn't even, like, tell me anything about the love of God. And so I'm a high schooler having zero hope. I remember nights that I would lay on my pillow and I'd look at my ceiling and tears would run down my face, hating the person that I was, hating that I would do this sinful act and then regret it literally five seconds as I rolled over later remembering the sin and the weight of what I had done and, and not wanting to do it, but I did it. And, and when I did it, I, it was done and I felt awful. I remember wanting to help people and care about people. And I really wanted to kind of change the world. I wanted to do some kind of human work, like resource work. I, I wanted to help people, but, and I wanted to change the world. But in order to change the world, I first had to let God change me. And I remember... One night, I turned my cry into a conversation. And I wanted to know why I was made. And I said, God, and I used a few church choice words I would never recommend, but I said, God, it was real. I said, are you real? If you are, can I smell you? Can I taste you? Can I feel feel you? Can I see you? God, I don't even know if you're real Christians. They talk it, but when they walk and they're not walking it, God, they bark, but they don't bite. God, I, I see that when they go to church and they get that red back book and turn to page 257 and sing that song, there's zero emotion. They're, I just don't get it. If you're a big God, why don't they treat you in a big way? I, I'm confused at what's going on here, but I've tried drugs. I've tried girls. I've tried guys. I've tried this. I've tried that, and nothing's working. I'm literally crying on my pillow. Again, here I am. If you're real, will you come into my life? I'll give you everything if you change me. And to make a love story short, my mom convinced me to come to a place like you're at today. And this person was on stage, and these people get up, and they begin to share their story just real, without rules, regulations, without all the religious stuff, just honestly shared their story. And as they share their story, faith began to fill my heart. And I realized that if God did it for them, maybe, just maybe, he could do it for me. And I was sitting on the fourth row not knowing why I was made, not knowing who I was. And I walked from that 
that seat to this side of the altar. I lifted my hands, but most importantly, my heart. And that morning, over like five or six years ago, Jesus came into my life. He completely set me free from sexual identity. He completely healed my heart from the aftermath of molestation and rape. He, he completely restored my life, and I've not touched a drug since. And I've been burning in love with Jesus since. And I've been preaching the word since. And I've been telling people about the good news of Jesus since. Why? Because I know why I am made. The Bible says that he that be in Christ is a new creation. All things pass away and all things are made new. I'd like to take a moment to talk about your life, but you talk to yourself about your life. You guys are probably God guys and God girls. You're at a church camp. You know how to do that stuff. You know what I mean? But being a new creation is not a one-time thing. Being set free and set free indeed is not a one-time thing. You get saved, your spirit gets saved once. But I believe your soul gets saved every day. So I want to talk to you today about why you're made and what you're made to do. David, we talked about, he was a millionaire, a king, a boss, but he was a man after going on. You're made for the presence of Jesus. You're made to be a person of His presence. And before I could chuck it and I could buck it and I could get y'all screaming, I could get y'all hype and all that kind of stuff. But when you leave from camp, I want you to leave with practical tools to add to your life and to, to make the mission of your life so that your relationship with God can be concrete, it can be solidified, and you can know kind of what to do on Monday morning because you're in church. God is not just a Sunday God. He's a Monday God, a Tuesday God, a Wednesday God, a Thursday God, a Friday God, a Saturday God. Andrew stole that line from me, by the way. (laughs) He's an everyday kind of God. And there are things in your life that need to happen. You know, I remember, I'm going to come up here to show you. I remember knowing nothing about Jesus. Like, I didn't know how to... Shake it up, make it up, do it up, pray it up in the name of Jesus. It up. I didn't know I needed to sow a seed. I knew nothing about Jesus. Like, for real, I thought that the lady was praying in a different language. I thought she was ordering, like, fajitas from the Mexican restaurant. I didn't know what was happening. Like, I was like, what's going on? Why are they bringing out the oil? We having breakfast? You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know what was happening at all. Then they brought out, y'all, y'all have been in church. You know those blankets that they bring out when someone, like, falls out and they just, I'm like, are they cold or what's happening? You know what I mean? I'm like looking around like, what is going on? (laughs) So I know nothing about this stuff. I love it. It's awesome. But I knew nothing about it. We got blankets because we're about to fall out. No, I'm kidding. But I knew nothing about it. So I remember I got changed and I got set free and I was crying and I was snotting. Like, I'm not talking about just like a cute cry. I'm talking about an ugly cry. Like, uh, and then I even cried so bad. You know when you cry so bad, like when you get grounded for like three weeks and it's a big deal. And you cry so bad that you go. <laughs> Come on. You know what I'm talking about? You cry so bad. <laughs> but mom, you know what I mean? <laughs> I had cried so hard that I was like. Sitting there, I'm like, I, I don't know what my other shoe was. It was that kind of moment with Jesus. I lost a shoe. My edges all messed up. You know, it's wild. And I'm sitting here, and I'm like, I'm like, it's another demon. Get it out. Hear it? Hear it? You know what I mean? I was like, get it out. But when I sat there in the presence of God, I realized that in a moment, I found what I was trying to look for my entire life. In the drink, in the party, 
and the person and the place and all of the purchases. In the presence of God, I found everything that I needed. And that was great for Sunday morning. But what about Monday morning? And I remember being in a hotel room because Eddie James said you can come and come on the road with me and I'll give you two weeks to, to make up your mind. And I literally packed, I dropped out of high school. I left what I thought I had in my own career. Did not. But I thought I was doing all this. I dropped everything and I followed Jesus like the Bible says. And I, I followed Jesus and I was in this hotel room and I remember like getting these thoughts back from my old life and getting these temptations back. I'm going to be real. About, from my old life, I, I began to forget a little bit about what I was made to do, why I was made, why I was was created that he hung the stars he set the moon but he's mindful of me and to think forget about those things and think about things that I should not have been thinking about and trying to learn how to be a part of the process and do what God's called me to do and I want to pursue God's presence and I want to pursue his presence but how and I woke up one morning and I'm literally on the floor of a hotel room and I'm like God I thought you set me free so many Christians think that because they cried three tears out of the left eye and one on the right eye and snotted out of the left nostril and they felt chills down their back that that's it and that's how you have to feel for the rest of your life. But faith is not what you see. Faith is not what you feel. Faith is what you do. And I wasn't feeling it. So I had to be obedient because obedience is better than sacrifice. And I remember sitting here, man, God, I thought you set me free. I thought you set me free. And I didn't like, I didn't like run to my past. I didn't have one of them. I didn't have a youth pastor that I could just talk about this stuff to. You know what I mean? I, I didn't just be like, hey, pastor, what, can you help me with this? You help me with that? You know what I mean? I didn't have that. Yeah. I just had the Holy Ghost. That's all I had. Yeah. So I sat in that hotel and I began to talk to him and I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? And so something I do on the side, I remodel houses and stuff. And, 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 and I literally from my stomach heard God. Is this okay? I'm just being honest. I'm going to share a story. I heard God just speak to me. Say, hey, renew your mind. And I'm like, renew my, what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. Renew your mind. I didn't know. Like, yeah. I didn't know scripture. He's like, renew your mind. I was like, okay, when you renew something, we would remodel houses. We would gut it. We would get rid of all the bad stuff. Yeah, and we would put in new stuff. And that would be a new house. And I want my heart to be a home for the Holy Spirit. So I got to get all this bad stuff out. And I got to put in good stuff and do what God's called me to do. We're looking at Isaiah and it says he's the potter and we are the clay. Every single person in this place, is their life is really nothing but a pot. But you're not just an ordinary average pot. You're a powerful pot. You're a pot that God wants to fill up to pour out. But if you've got junk and funk in your pot, God can't put much in it. And I remember sitting here. Renew my mind. So you know what I did? I, I, I chose to be, now I know the scripture, didn't know it then. I chose to be a Romans 12, 2 kind of dude, not conforming to this world, but being transformed by renewing my mind. And you know what I did? I didn't have a picture of an angel. I didn't think like, oh, there comes God coming down on three clouds and there's little baby angels behind. I didn't think of that stuff. I didn't like, I, I didn't pray in the Holy Ghost hours. I literally, I love God so much that I didn't want this stuff in my mind that I moved my mind from that thought to this thought and I'm like what are we having for lunch you know what I mean like I had to force myself to live out my faith three things that every Christian has to do and it's elementary and it's normal and it's basic but it's powerful it's what sustains you it's what keeps you and keeps your faith it's what it's what God needs you to do he needs you to do it but 
He doesn't just need you to do it. You need to do it. You need to do it for you. And that is prayer. And that is getting in the Bible. And that is spending time in worship. You have to. Prayer. Word. Worship. Prayer. Word. Worship. Prayer. Word. Worship. Sometimes you can pray for 30 minutes. Sometimes you can pray for three hours. Sometimes you can only pray for three minutes. But do it. Sometimes you won't understand the Bible. Because some of it doesn't even make sense to me. And I'm a pastor. <laughs> but get a message version. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Real thing. It's life. It changes you even when you don't know it. It does something inside of you that you can't even like, think about. You can't even like, put your finger on it. But it does something in your life. And then when you worship, you become like those you hang around. And the person that you have to hang out with the most is the Holy Spirit. You have to. And I remember sitting in this seat, and I'd cried and realized that in one moment I found everything that I need. And I remember being in that spot, and I, I, I began to fall so in love with him that I fell out of love with my sin. Like I could give you a program, I could give you these ideas, and I could give you an outline or a Bible study, but really you just need to fall madly in love with Jesus Christ, and you'll fall in love with him and out of love with your sin. And what happened is I, the Bible says that he that be in, capital I-N, he that be in Christ is a new creation. I had to choose to be in Christ, which looked a lot like this. I had to choose to be in Christ, which is prayer, word, worship. I had to choose to be in Christ. And as I began to be in Christ, I I read out his Bible and I I read how Jesus lived his life. And before I knew it, I'm in my muck and I'm in my mire and I'm an imperfect person. I'm jacked up with sin and I don't know what to do, but I know that I want to know God and I want to live for God. I've got all this stuff going on, but you know what happened? I began to pursue him and I read how he lived his life and I began to come out of that muck and out of that mire and I began to chase after him and I wanted to look like him. I wanted to talk like him. I wanted to be like him. Uh, the cross before me, the world behind me, I begin to worship and I begin to spend time with him. I begin to become more kind and more honest and more loving and more caring. I had the character of Christ. I begin to pray and ask him to break things out of my heart and to change my life and to renew a steadfast spirit in me. I don't want to be a double mind tossed to and fro. I want to do what he's called me to do. I want to be filled with destiny. I want to be filled with power. And before I knew it, I was pursuing him, chasing after him, running after the one that I had now found that I loved. And before I knew it, the cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, but you, you know what I mean? You look back at me a little bit, and you, I look back, and I realized that I once was there. But now I'm here. And it wasn't that much of a labor, because I loved it. And I loved him. And it became easy because his yoke is easy and his his burden is light because we're in love. Because we found what we're made to do. You're made for more. You're made for more of him. You're made to give more of you so this world can know. He is the potter. You are the clay. He is the potter. You are the pot. So let's look at our lives right now. And say our life is a vase that carries the presence of God. What is in your vase? Literally, take evaluation of your life right now. Because we're going to respond with this thought. You are a see-through, clear vase that God has put on a will 
and he has spun you around, and he has spun you around, he has molded you, and he has shaped you, and he has made you beautiful exactly how you are. He has, he has created you as a dynamite piece that he loves. And as you see this vase, what's in your life? What's in your heart today, truly? Is it, is it love? Is it kindness? Is it depression as the worship team joins me? Is it, is it, is it depression? Is it hurt? Is it thoughts of suicide? Is it pornography? Is it trauma in the past? When you look in your heart and honest before the Holy Spirit evaluation, what's in here? Because you have to reveal it for God to heal it. You have to be honest with yourself. You can't just fabricate stuff or throw Febreze on it. Like you've got to do a deep cleaning. He wants to do a deep cleaning because you're made for more. And every sin that easily entangles you sets you back and sets you up to settle. And it pulls you back a little bit. You can't run a race with all kinds of luggage. You've got to let that stuff go. And I feel like God in this place wants to show you what you're made for. But for some of you, he wants to remake you. He wants to remodel you. He wants to restore you. He wants to refresh you. It's not about just one encounter with God. It's about constant encounters with God. It's about those car rides where you're listening to a song and you begin to feel and fill your car. It's about those times when you're at the gym and you're listening to a podcast just like three days ago and I'm working out biceps and I'm a baby on the bench crying because Jesus is encountering me. It's about those times where you feel so dark, so alone, so hurt that you literally cannot form words. Has anybody felt that on their chest? Your chest is so heavy you can't form words, but you can somehow say Jesus and he swoops in and he does something. It's about those moments where you believe for your mom to get saved and with tears in her, except Jesus in her heart. It's in those moments that emptying your pot, evaluating yourself and saying, God, see me and see through me and cleanse me that makes all of it worth it. Lives healed, hearts found here. Now, Jesus changes everything. And it first starts with you. It first starts here. You're made for more. You're made for intimacy. You're made for a love that changes how life.